I'd invite you to take a seat, Paul and the band, they'll be back for one more song uh, a little bit later. Uh, but if you snuck in late or uh, in case you missed it, my name's Chris, I'm part of the team here at Beyond. And today, um, as I said a little bit earlier, we're actually wrapping up uh, a four-part series that we've been doing over the last couple of weeks called Family Matters. But before I jump into that, I just want to flag with you, um, I just want to flag with you next week, next week we're having a, a special one-off message called I Am Beyond. And then the week after that, which is March 15th, March 15th, we're launching a brand new series called Address the Mess. Um, a series is the best time that we say to invite someone um, new. So if you want to extend that invitation, say, hey, come sit with me. Um, March the 15th would be a fantastic time to do that. Uh, and throughout that series, we're just going to be talking about some of the messes that we ha- all have in our lives, whether the, that's a, a financial mess, a relational mess, a parenting mess, uh, a mess at work, um, a mess that's kind of in your past. And we're going to be talking about all the ways that we can address the messes within our life. Uh, but today, uh, today I'm really, really excited because throughout this series, we've been asking you to submit your questions. Uh, throughout this series, we've been sort of saying, hey, what questions do you have about family? What questions do you have about parenting? What questions do you have about uh, nar- navigating parenting, navigating uh, marriages and relationships? And we've asked you to submit them. And today, we're actually answering all of those questions. And the good news for you is that I'm not answering them. Uh, the good news is that we've actually got... Uh, two people who are part of our community here at Beyond, and they're going to um, help me begin to answer it. So would you put your hands together, and would you make them feel really welcome, because it is nerve-wracking sometimes getting up in front of people. Would you welcome um, Michelle and Nathan up here? And as they, uh, as they come up, Nathan is actually, um, you've probably seen Nathan if you've been here a little bit. Uh, he floats around on audio um, and tech and stuff, and they'll introduce their families and what they, their role. And Michelle, you can, yeah, just grab a seat. You can... Um, Michelle is actually um, Riley's mum, and uh, so if you've seen one of our communicators, Riley, but I, I'm sure there's, there's more than it's just Riley's mum. So Michelle, um, why, don't you, why don't you tell us who's, who's part of your family and what do you do on a day-to-day okay. during the week? All right. I am more than, well, I hope I'm more than Riley's mum, although <laughs> I am, um, I was going to say proud, but we, we're kind of careful with that word in our house, I guess, but I, I am very um, proud of Riley and... Um, the young man that he's become, but there is more to our family than Riley. So um, I'm married. My husband, Peter, is a psychologist and we have three children. So that our eldest, Casey, is um, she's 26 this year. She's married to a beautiful, beautiful young man and they're expecting their first baby in July. So we've got a grandbaby on the way, which is our first grandchild, which is exciting. And uh, she's a special ed teacher. And I say that because we're just constantly in awe of her she's just incredible in what she does and as you know Riley um so do I need to say more (laughs) no that's good that's good um, yeah and um so yeah Riley's doing an awesome job in his chaplaincy and the work he does here and studying as well um Bible College and um and Rihanna is um she's 20 this year so she's uh studying OT to be an OT so and she's heavily involved in doing a lot of support work and um yeah, placement at the moment with that as well. That's cool. And Nath, Nath, what about you? Who's part of your family um, and what do you do when you're not running the, all the sound here at Beyond? Not much. <laughs> um, so uh, my wife Catherine is running sound for us uh, as we speak. <laughs> it's a family Yay, affair. first time. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I have a 12-year-old Gabby and a 9-year-old Malachi. Malachi, awesome. And what do you do um, during the week? And so during the week, I work as a child and adolescent psychiatrist in private practice. Awesome. So we've got some 
Some very talented people. Actually, Michelle, you didn't share no, what you do share. during the week. Yeah. So I've been a teacher longer than, well, over half of my life, which, is, um, which has been a real privilege because I've seen it not as a job but as something I was called to do. So I really love that. And I've worked in the state system, independent system, um, and been able to be involved in a whole lot of other areas along, uh, I guess, a bit of a lay chaplaincy role as well within the state system, which was exciting, doing some work for SU, resiliency kind of programs. And uh, now working at um, Grace College as a middle school learning support coordinator. And um, so we, uh, both Nathan and Michelle have um, not just professional backgrounds, but also families as well. But one of the things that they kept mentioning over and over and over as we were, were preparing for this is like, we're not experts, we're just on the journey, we're trying to figure this out um, as much as everyone. And so um, I really, really appreciate that. But um, here are some of the questions that you submitted. And if your question um, wasn't, isn't uh, asked in the exact way you submitted it, because we had a whole bunch of people submitting questions, so we just kind of took them um, and moulded them and put them into one. But Michelle, we might we might navigate with you. Uh, st start with you. Navigate part of the first question. Um, we might throw to you to start with. How do you navigate the balance between being a parent and a friend of your child? Because that's a it's a challenging tightrope if it is a tightrope to walk. I think the interesting thing is there is that. Um you know, they are your child, but as they grow up, they're not necessarily children. Mm. So it's a, it's, there's definitely seasons when we, we support our, our children. And, um, but I guess we, we're talking about how this question's a bit of a tricky one because, you know, there are definite roles between, I guess, what it is to be a parent and what it is to be a friend. Um, but it also very much depends on your own parenting style, which can very much come from the background, your own background, what your parents were like, I guess, where you've walked out of that relationship with your parents and gone, you know, I want to be just like them or I want to be very different from them. Um, and also recognising that every family has their own story and their own challenges. So that's going to impact on how you, um, I guess, relate to your children and how you go about parenting. But um, an, an example I've got, I guess, is um, I get text messages from all three of my, my children and my kids and the text messages can go anywhere from, uh, you'll see the difference I guess between the parenting and the friend, but can go from, hey mum, I bought a barbecue chook uh, two days ago, is it still okay to eat? Um, so it can go from that to, um, hey guys, this is on a group chat, you can work out who this one is, hey guys, um, my girlfriend's just intercontinental now for the next two weeks, I'm going to need max attention, just warning you. <laughs> um, and the response from the group chat was, so what's new? <laughs> and um, to another one that might be just um, on the way to uni, feeling sick. What am, what am I meant to do with that? So, um, but then on the other side, it can be getting texts that say, hey, mum, know you're struggling a bit at the moment. Just want to know I'm praying for you. Sending a nice, um, you know, just a message, a verse, or just a love you, or an extra little, you know, a little kiss that can be on a text that's not normally there. Um, you know, just a, a bit of a hug when you need it. So all of those kind of things are a reminder that the roles are very much crossover. And I guess when you think about what our, what our kids need as friends, you know, they need someone to listen to them, they need someone to encourage them, they need someone to just give them a hug, to be a constant source of care and love. And, um, you know, so I guess we do that in our role mm -hmm. as parents mm -hmm. and I guess we do that as friends. As Obviously, as our, as our children grow, the relationship changes and it is hard. Obviously, we're at this end of that now where we're learning to... You definitely have to learn to let go a little bit yep. 
and whether that is somebody moving out, getting married, um, just you know, heading off to uni or just you know, friends, they're so involved with friends they're no longer your kind of the priority so much. Sure. And so it's recognising when to step back and realising that you've put, I guess, what you have placed, I guess, in that relationship and the values and how you've brought them up and, and give them the freedom to let go, you know, for you to let go and the freedom for them to step out, but for you to be that constant, to still be there listening and encouraging that's and everything That's else. really helpful. And Nath, because we, we, we were talking as we were kind of preparing for this and, and you highlighted the same thing as Michelle, that it's a, it's a really odd question and it's a really kind of, difficult question. Do you want to speak a little bit more to? Well, I guess, you know, um, probably I'll, I'll speak both um, from clinical perspective, if that's okay, yeah. and then um, also, you know, as a dad. Um, I guess when I'm doing a lot of family work, I think that there can be, whilst we're all of those things um, a friend would be to our children, there's that extra role that goes with it and an extra boundary there where we have to take that extra responsibility yep that extra awareness of what's going on um, for our children. Um, and so I, I think it's important to think about it differently, that there isn't no, so much a balance, but it's about how can I take those things that a friend would do for my children, but also add that extra level of guidance, support. Um, to be honest, you know, as a parent, you're going to be a friend in a situation to your child that the friends may not be a friend to them. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, that's a good point. So... And look, you know, we're at a different phase with our children. Um, it's still very much a parent role, largely. Um, but, yeah, um, being open and loving and caring, that's that part that you take from being a friend, I think. So that, that may, might answer the question is where's the yeah, balance? And I, and I like what you both kind of highlighted, and we kind of touched on this in part one, the idea that, that we're all in a phase. We all have different phases that we're in. And so when you're at one phase... Um, Sometimes you can be setting boundaries a little bit more where um, when you're at the phase when, when you've got a daughter who's married and moved out, it's a more of like a coach or a mentor or just that um, person that they can connect with. Nath, I might start with you. Um, th this was a question we got a lot. What are some things you've found helpful when it comes to um, bringing the faith or the spiritual conversations in the home? Because I think sometimes there's that emphasis like, oh, well, the church, the church does that and then I bring my kids home. But, but what are... The, what are the, um, some things you found are actually kind of bringing faith and making it real in the house? Yeah, I think uh, for me that one was really about, um, I guess, being aware of questions that your children ask and, and mm -hmm. active listening um, to what they're actually saying and asking you. Those are the times that you've got the real chance to actually put the faith in, and the spiritual side into things and, and a mm -hmm. chance to share your views and values um, when they're asking those big questions of life if I think you know you, you can't just sit them down and say right today we're going to talk about this you know it, it's about taking the opportunities and, and looking for them I um, mean mm. just the day-to-day -day, I think yeah um, no. so that's one, one of the big ones um, you know I think just modeling and, and being that person every day as well um, making sure that you're showing how faith lived looks or, or even just if you if you're not a believer how values look yeah. Yes. And, and okay. how you line up your life with those things. Yeah, I, mean, I think we touched on in part one that a lot of, a lot of um, values and a lot of our views are caught, not taught. So, so children are constantly looking, constantly evaluating, saying, hey, what, what's actually happening in the home? And um, David touched on that in part two um, and three as well. And if you kind of want to know some of the questions that, um, that uh, children might be asking at different phases, I'd encourage you to jump online and listen to part one um, of this series because we actually talked about some of the questions 
that children are asking at every phase of that kind of um, journey. What about, what about for you, Michelle? What are some of the things that, or, or some of the practices or things that you grabbed onto that are really helpful for bringing that conversation home? I think um, from a teaching perspective too, we know that um, you know, with working with young people all the time, particularly young children, but, but even teenagers, you know, young adults, particularly around, I guess, the earlier years, we've got natural, naturally inquiring minds. So they've got questions all the time and you can often have a laugh at a lot of those questions. But when those questions arise, it just is an amazing opportunity, as we are saying, just to be able to open up discussion and, um, and appreciate often just small things and develop that sense of gratitude as well. So I know it very much depends on our own faith journey and where we're at with that, you know, how we're going to unfold and, and work through a lot of those questions. But um, I know in the many years I've had being able to, particularly, I guess, working in primary school setting where we had a, I had a group for a while of just uh, year seven students that just wanted to come and ask the big questions about God. Yep. And they had no background um, really within their family or church or anything. So they'd bring each week a series of questions and they were raw and they were honest. And, yep. you know, why does, this, why does this stuff happen in the world? All the ones we know, you know, why is there war? Why do people have to die? And the good thing is we were able to get together. I, I had that for the week and I'd come back and I would look and, and search and see what it says in the Bible and look at, you know, resources. The really good thing was that a lot of the time I could give them so much and then I said, we don't have the answers mm. to some of these questions. Um, and, it, and just then the idea of faith and what that looks like and, and opening up, I guess, that within those seeds and, and within their hearts. But um, the idea around mystery is a big one that's taught in Christian studies and in RE and and everything too that in schools um, that we don't always have the answers but that's where faith comes in and yep. I think it's just always encouraging questioning and as um, you were saying Nathan just being real and honest and raw at home you know when when we um, you know are going through something if if your kids can see you you know you're taking a moment out because you want to pray or or you just want to talk through with them uh, you know I'm at a stage now where it's really great because sometimes I can be going through a really hard time and it's my own kids that will remind me, you know, look, hang on, just remember, you know, God's already got this. You yep. actually don't need to be, you know, struggling in this place yeah. as, as you are. And I'll go, oh, hang on, that's what I've been saying to you for years and years, you know. So it's, uh, it's great when it comes back to you. Um, but, yeah. And one of the, one of the things that um, I, I wanted to highlight, because we were talking about it earlier, mm. um, when when we talk about like how do we bring faith into the home, sometimes there can be this, this idea or this thought that, well, families that are really spiritual, you know, they like always pray together and they just, all they ever talk, every conversation is about God and everyone's quoting Bible verses and that's, that's what it looks like. But that, the reality is that's, that's not what life is, um, that's not what life is, is always like and sometimes um, life knocks you down. But you talked about this idea that the thing you do next yeah. is what's really important. I guess... Um in all of my time of teaching, the one thing, firstly, the re one of the reasons I really felt called to teach was I remember as a young kid hearing the story, and I hadn't come from a background really, a church background or a particular faith, hearing the story about Jesus saying, you know, come to me as children, you know, come to me, ch you know, as children, ask those questions, come with that kind of faith, you know, that we don't know all the answers, we're looking up to you, we're, we're asking those questions, but um, I think... Sorry, what was the question again? <laughs> We're going to track that. No, I just want to highlight oh, that, that idea of what yeah, to do next. Yeah, the yeah. You do next. So I guess the big thing I always think of is we've got to look at we've got to look up to 
to like calling on God and saying, well, you know, what does this look like for me? We're not perfect. We're going to constantly get things wrong and we're going to fail. We're going to fail as parents, as people, as friends, as mums, as, you know, sisters, whatever. Um, so what you do next is one thing I've always thought I've really drilled in with kids too. Like we're all going to make mistakes, but it's what you do next that counts. Like mm. are you just going to stay there and, and you know, not not kind of try again? Are you going to look at this as a bottom line failure? And um, so, and that's something I kind of look at myself always too and kind of think, well, you know, what am I going to do about this? I can sit and, you know, be miserable, miserable. I can sit and kind of dwell on this or I can remember that God's already got the bigger picture for this and, and look to him as well. So I think that's um, super helpful as well because it almost kind of takes that whole thing that we talk about in, um, in church when it comes to faith, this idea of grace and this idea of that there's actually more to your story than what your past is. It kind of models that in the home and actually says, well, actually what you do next now means you don't have to be defined by, by what we've done. Um, here's, here's, here's a curveball. So I'm going to throw it to Michelle because you're the teacher. Um, what are the best practices for handling phones, screen time and gaming? Easy one. <laughs> There's, that's the thing. There are no easy answers to this one. It is very much, it, bottom line, it is really hard. I know as a teacher, we kind of, we've copped a lot of the blame for this, which, which I get, but, um, you know, feeling like um, students have really had this imposed. Families have this, had laptops, um, iPads imposed on them, and then you have to work out as a family how that's going to work for you. And that's, um, that's really challenging. And it's challenging for um, kids that are going from one family to the next during the week yep. and, you know, different uh, sets of rules that have been established as to how that works or whether there are any rules at all. I've heard stories of parents telling me that um, they have their, every device is locked up at home but they have their child coming to them during the night with their iPhone, their smartphone, and then putting, trying to get their finger to get, you know, oh, wow. on as they're okay. asleep, to actually, right. so they can get their uh, phone working. You know, I think that's pretty full on. But um, it really, yeah, setting an example. So I know an amazing young mum. She's got five, uh, five kids under they're under eight, and uh, they have three iPads at home and devices, and they kind of go crazy on it. But she makes sure that they have a couple of nights in the week where she has to do it as well. They have a box and they just put all of those devices in there. Mm. Um, so she's trying. She's trying to put in some boundaries. But it's really hard. And I think the danger we see, particularly in high school, where students are sitting in class flicking from work to their social media to, you know, emailing to gaming. And, you know, it's really... We know how unhealthy that is, but it's just... Um, it's also causing, it also has a major social impact for those uh, young people as well. So there aren't any easy answers, I don't think, but it, it very much does come back to what's going to work within your family. Mm. I think Nathan. before we throw to you to expand a little bit, I think the big thing that I'm hearing from, from you, Michelle, is that it's important to have boundaries because mm. technology is kind of this thing that's just jumped into the world in the last 20 years and we don't really have any rules for it. You know, we're kind of just like, oh, well, it's a thing in life, but there's, we're not really putting rules. So I think the big thing that I'm hearing from you is, actually establish some boundaries and then once you have some boundaries established you can say is this working is this not but until there are those boundaries established it's kind of just like well it's a free-for-all mm. and, and I think talking about it's really important I always think you know connect up with other families no matter what the issue or concern is see what other people are doing get some ideas share your ideas and then you can kind of then reflect on that and go well what might work within my family Nath, do you want to speak to that as, as well? I can certainly speak to that. Yes. Um, 
Sorry, it's one of my uh, hobby horses. Um, so, look, I guess as far as screen time, there are actually some studies out that, that give us guidance on how long we should be looking at screen time. Uh, WHO released a paper, I think it was last year or the year before, um, saying that under two, no screen time. The WHO World Health Organization yep. for anyone. Oh, sorry. Yep, no, it's um, okay, just bringing everyone up. Yeah, yeah. Just um, speed. So but no screen time no, for under two? That's what they're saying. Yeah, okay, no screen sure. time under two, and then over two, two hours max per day. Um, so when you think about it, when you take out the amount of time that they may be having to do homework on, an o on a device or something like that, it yep. doesn't leave um, a huge amount of time afterwards. Um, I certainly see it from a clinical perspective as well about the sleep. You know, okay. um, certainly we know that blue light interferes with your normal sleep-wake um, cycle. Okay. Um, it interferes with the melatonin release, which is melatonin is your sleep yep. um, kind of hormone. Yep. Um, so when you're up till 10 o'clock on your laptop, and then you shut it down and you expect to go to sleep, it's mm. really difficult to do. Um, okay. So I'm a big believer in trying to avoid... If you've got young kids, start early. Try and keep the uh, technology out of the bedrooms. Yep. Model that yourselves. Make sure you don't have a TV in the bedroom yourself or you know, uh, phones in the bedroom. Model yep. that they get put aside. Sleep is important. Sleep we've got to look after. And I think that's even particularly... Uh, Maybe that's news for parents as well, the idea of blue light. Like, oh, I'm, read I'm reading my book on my iPad and I just can't fall asleep and I don't know what's going on. Well, it's because of the blue light. And there are filters on a lot of devices. Yeah, you can use filters. Um, and if you really want to cheat, you can get the old uh, amber-coloured sunglasses. Okay, yeah. amber-coloured sunglasses. You heard it here first. But I think that's particularly as you, um, if you... If you have that... If you're aware of that and you set that boundary, then sometimes when you're going into kind of grade 10, 11, 12 and you're navigating into university when you are, there's a heavy workload... Um, sometimes you can be up later as a student studying for, for students to be aware of that from the early stages to get rid of that. Yeah, developing good habits, I think. And I know it sounds really tough. I often suggest even early high school to make sure that you've got your child working somewhere where you can see their screen. And that's, that's pretty intrusive. I've, I do get that. But if you can develop those good habits then mm -hmm. and they start realising, you know, well... It, particularly if their peers, uh, peers sorry, aren't coping as well and they're, you know, they're seeing how they're managing it and compared mm. to maybe some of the structures you've put in place, hopefully it'll put them in a better position for down the track. And you were mentioning earlier on having conversations about that and, and the reasons behind mm. it as well. And I think it's really important to sit down with the young person and let them know, look, you know, we're not just being unreasonable here. There's reasons for this. And it's also a way of building trust yeah. so that you can see over time, well, you know, now that they're 15, 16, they can start to take that laptop into their room and you, you've developed that trust together yes. around okay. that it'll be respected and, and used appropriately. And, own, yeah, having the ownership, they've got to, at that age, they need to be able to take some ownership for that themselves. And you, you made a comment just a little bit before, Michelle, and, and Nath, I think what you said just then alludes to it is, is this idea of, well, well, how do you navigate if, for example, there's two homes that your children are in, so maybe one during one week, one during the next, or, or the, whatever the arrangement is, and there's two sets of rules around not just screen time but around different things? How do you, how do you navigate that um, when, you're trying to, when you're trying to parent together? Um, maybe, who have I got down for this one? Nath, I'm going to throw to you for that one. All right. Um, I think we sometimes don't give kids enough credit to be able to navigate that. Okay. Um, again, I think if you sit down and you talk about why you have those particular values or rules within your household mm -hmm. and why you're following it through, kids are actually generally able to be able to pick up between two different households uh, 
the rules and, and the differences. That, that can cause tension because if there's very few boundaries in one household and a lot in another, obviously, you know, there's going to be preferences because oh. I can play to my iPad till whatever time. But yep. that, look, this is why we value it. This is why the rules are here. And can be helpful. And how do you navigate that? Because I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure no one here has that, um, but maybe someone who's listening to this online might have that. How do you navigate that, like, tension when, when they're in the same household, you know, like, and, and maybe mum has said something or dad has said something and they come running and it's like, mum, dad, mum told me I can't have this. Can you tell me? Like, what do you navigate when they try to, when they try to play you off against each other um, in the middle of it and you're kind of, like, thinking, like, do we have a rule around this? Like, is this a thing? Like, I didn't know about this. Like, this must have just come up. Like, how do you navigate that when you're trying to parent well together? Okay, well, I think you parent in the moment and then communication is the important thing mm -hmm. afterwards is, is letting, you know, the other parent know about what, what boundary you put in place in that. If you decide that you got it wrong, there's nothing wrong with going back to a child and saying, hey, look, you know, when that happened... Yeah. Um, you know, I think we, we either overreacted or we didn't, you know, do something and, and we'll sit down and this is the rule that we've come up with now as a result of that. Yeah. I, I, I always say you can go back to a kid and say, hey, I got that wrong. I got that parenting wrong. We don't need to be perfect. And I think that that models then what you were talking about earlier, you know, what next as well. And I love that because that kind of highlights what you were talking about, Michelle, like that kind of idea of vulnerability as a parent in that space to be, to actually let your, your children know, hey, it's actually okay to be wrong and that, that's totally fine. Um, Michelle, you, like, I, just knowing Riley and knowing your family situation, you guys are very, very busy. You guys, um, and children are at a different age, out of home, so everyone's kind of in and out, and you've got, like, the, trying to navigate the schedules. What are some tools or practices that you've used or, or seen effective at different times that have used, helped you navigate the busyness of life? Because life is busy. I was just saying before, if you knew the answer to, you know, a good balance of, you know, within life, you would be a millionaire, wouldn't you? But, um... Our, our family is very busy. We're all very busy. I guess for us, we're busy though working in spaces where we're working with people. So when we come together, we're often quite exhausted or we kind of just uh, ships passing in the night. Um, so I guess within that busyness, it's really important to... Um, I, I love families, I'll, I'll just regress a bit, I love families that make time, that have mm -hmm. you know, a meal together during the week. Um, that make time to catch up once a month when they, you know, their kids are older or you know, more frequently. Um, I remember once hearing a, a um, news report on you know, getting parents to actually think about how many minutes a day do you actually spend with your child when they're younger. And it's pretty frightening, you know, I guess particularly I think it, it can be for fathers as well. It can be for everybody I know and depending on your family makeup. But, you know, if it comes down to a few minutes, it's really challenging. Yep. You think, you yep. know, what's going on? But for us, I guess, it's um, making quality time when we are together. So um, we have a lot of banter in our household, as you can imagine. There's a lot of storytelling that goes on in our household. <laughs> and um, so in with that is a lot of laughter. Yep. Um, but we also have lots of struggles as well. So it's, um, I know, really encouraging. I, I love the fact that I know Riley and Rihanna used to catch up. They had... Um, Tuesday afternoons, which was like a, a catch-up after school. Uh, when they were at school, they'd go and um, treat yourself Tuesday. I like and, that. Um, so it's important for siblings as well, I think, to, as they get older. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just, it's just so crucial that you have that time just to be together and share your stories and share life. And the big thing, I guess, I love about my guys is they recognise that everybody comes with a story. So when you meet people when you're in the workplace or whoever you're spending time with, and for each of us as family members, we all have our own journey, we all have our own story. 
so you come whenever you meet together remembering that you, you may not know what that person's day was like. You may not know their past, you, but you come and you're present. And even knowing love languages, I think, is really yeah, important. Okay, that's um, okay. We, we kind of, yeah, my guys are very much into that. So they kind of know, you know, um, you know this person needs time, this person needs this, you know. So that's, that's just a good you know, way to explore that as well. And if you haven't heard of that, it's, it's, um, you can just get out your phone after the service or right now and you can just type in five love languages quiz and it'll just, you just fill out this really quick quiz and it'll tell you like, oh, here's, here's ma the main way that you receive and, and maybe one of the primary ways that you give love can be super, super helpful. Nath, what, what about you? What are the tools and practices that you try and navigate for the busyness of life? Um, so I guess, you know, prioritising um, and making sure that you, you keep it in your, on your radar, I guess, yep. um, that it is a, a priority that you think about reflect upon when, when you're looking at different phases or different seasons of your life, you know, how can I mm -hmm. shuffle that particular priority forward? Um, and yeah, just being mindful of it, I guess. Yeah, I like, because um, it, it almost sounds like Michelle kind of mentioned it, and you mentioned it in an indirect way, this idea of scheduling, like actually looking and sort of saying like, actually, how much, how much time are we spending? Do we just think we're doing enough? Or is it kind of like when you look at it, you're like, oh, wow. I was like, I was there for 20 minutes today. I had like spent 20 minutes. Like, so where, where throughout the week are we, we putting that? Would you say that's like a, a beneficial thing to do or a helpful thing to do or? Uh, I think it can be helpful. I mean, it depends on your circumstance. You yep, may not sure. be a scheduling person. Yep. I guess I'm talking more about that, just that idea of making sure that it's- The priority. To, that the, it's, a, it's on your radar. Yes, okay, no, that's-, that, that's can I just quickly say, you like, can. for us, I know scheduling doesn't work, mm -hmm. and we kind of try it every once in a while, but really what it comes down to is being present. That's good. When you're together, you That's really are good. present, so you're there. That's really good, too, because I think, particularly with the advent of technology, sometimes we can fool ourselves as well. I mean, I'm, I'm sure what, when everyone's seen it, I'm sure you never do it, but sometimes when my wife and I are out on dates, we have a rule, like, when we're out, we leave our phones in the car, and then it starts interesting, because you start to people watch, and you see that couple at the table, and they're like, or the family at the table and they're all on their phones and they've been there for an hour and a half and no one said a word to each other. Or they've been like, <laughs> look at this funny Instagram video. Um, so that idea of like when you're actually together, be together. Um, this, is the last, this is the last question. This is, um, this is not something anyone asked, but it's just something I'm curious about and I think hopefully is, is helpful to everyone here. What's something that an outside adult has done in the life of your child that has been helpful spiritually? You can, you can choose who, I'd love to hear both your answers, but whoever, Nath, you can lead us. I, I'll, I can kick off. Um, I mean, it's hard to, hard to choose one, thankfully, for our, our yep. family. We've been very blessed with a, a lot of different people who have had input into our children's lives. Um, you know, I think of grandparents who right from the get-go have been able to model, um, you know, values, um, faith and, and mm -hmm. things like that into our children's lives. Yeah. Um, more recently, you know, again, very um, happy with, you know, the kids' environment yeah. and, and youth group and the, the excitement that they have of going along and just seeing those guys, you know, I'm a big believer in having those people just a few years ahead of you who have mm. navigated the stuff that you're about to navigate. Yep. Um, and, and having those people around your kids and, and knowing that there's good quality people there, just ready to help them through that next little phase. Yeah, I love that. And I think, I think that's, it's probably worth highlighting. Depending on what church background you come from or what kind of context um, you've come from, sometimes in your mind you're like, oh, youth group's just a place we send our kids to on a Friday night. Or the kids' environment is just a place where we send kids to so they don't distract us during our, our service. That's actually not the way that we think. The way that we think here is beyond is we actually want to partner with you as parents, because we think you have 
um, the most important but also one of the most difficult jobs in the world to raise your children. And so in every single one of our environments, we deliberately place caring adults so that in a situation like Nathan's talking about um, or what Michelle shared, that they know and that there is someone in their life as they're going through life that they can kind of turn to and go, you know what, that's another adult outside that cares for me, that supports me, that loves me, that encourages me, that I can actually go to. It's far, far more than games on a Friday night. It's, uh, it's actually kind of put people in their life that can care for them across the entire lifespan. Um, Michelle, what about you? How would yeah, I think that's it's actually, I was saying before, this is one of the things I, I advocate the most and through all my years of teaching and for, for our kids as well is that it's so important to realise you are not on your own and we are part of a community. The whole idea of, you know, it takes a village to raise a child, that is just so true, but our villages look different and our children look different. So it's about sometimes taking risks, you know, we're not always in a safe place where we can have, you know, close family members, actual, you know, that, that are our family, um, and to get out and meet more people, other people in the community that are going to be our tribe, and for teenagers it really is finding their tribe that's going to be best for them. But um, it's about taking risks and, you know, just kind of stepping out there and going, you know, I, this is not for me to do alone. I need to have people around me that I can talk through things with and be encouraged by. And um, I've just, I have one of the greatest blessings for myself as a mum has been the people that God has placed around um, my guys, actually, even now. And I look at, I know, particularly for Riley, who's the only you know, only boy in the family um, between two girls and just he's, he's got extended families everywhere. So, and, you know, some, I think he would honestly say he's probably got five brothers uh, that he absolutely loves, that he's constantly in contact with and they're all, they're out doing things all the time. They're just walking their journey, their faith journey together, yep. their ups and downs and it's just absolutely awesome. And that in saying that, he also will crash over at any of those families' houses. He's got, I don't know how many mums he's got. I get texts, you know, when it's my birthday from all of those boys. Hey, second mum, you know, how you going? Happy birthday, love you. You know, I just love that. We're, we're not meant to be in isolation. We're not meant to do life alone. Um, and even with our families, we are far from perfect. Big disclaimer, our family's far from perfect. Um, and I love the fact that we don't have to have perfect people around us, but we can work together and, um, you know, and God wants us to just to support and encourage each other in that place. So. And I, I love that. And I think that's probably, that's, that's a fantastic note for us to, um, note for us to finish on. And, and uh, as the band kind of come back up, um, one thing that I'd, I'd love to just highlight um, that we've kind of been driving at throughout this entire series is just this, simply this idea that really God isn't actually into perfect pictures um, or perfect families, but he's into writing a better story. And so the, the, the reality is true for all of us, and no matter, no matter what's happened um, in our family in the past, no matter what's happening in our family right now, that we can write a better story into the future. And the great thing is that God actually wants to write a better story in the life of, um, of your family. Um, so I'd love to, um, I'd love to pray. Why don't, first of all, why don't we thank Nathan and Michelle for sharing? Because that's, um, that was, that was so, so helpful. So, um, I might pray for us um, as we wrap up. Lord, we just thank you um, that you are actually in the department of writing better stories. Lord, you don't, you don't expect us to have it all together. You know that life is complicated, that life is challenging, but the good news is that uh, you haven't left us to do it alone, that you um, have 
uh, given us the church, the local expression of your body to actually be a community. You've placed people strategically in our lives that can pour into it uh, and to not pour, just pour into us, but also the lives of our children and our families as well. And Lord, we thank you most of all that, um, that you didn't leave us alone to kind of figure out how to know you, but you actually sent Jesus into history and you punctuated history with his life, his death and his resurrection. Uh, not because we're perfect people, but because you want to write a better story in our lives. And so I pray that as we go, um, as we finish up this series, Lord, that maybe we would just take one thing, one thing from this conversation or one thing through this series that we just kind of, that uh, families grab a hold to um, and that they grab a hold of as a family and say, you know what, we're going to uh, apply this thing in our lives and we're going to write a better story um, by implementing this one And so, Lord, I pray um, that you would give families the strength and the courage to do that. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.